God. Three, two, one. Welcome to the David the Dog Trainer podcast, episode 101. 101. 101. I want everybody to take a look real quick <laughs> at Josh's glasses that he has on. Right am, I, now. am I looking at the camera? So these were these were a Christmas gift to myself by my mother-in-law. These are very high tech. Oh yeah. These are these are ninety degree glasses. <laughs> Can't do this, man. <laughs> oh. It's they they make you look straight down. They're intended for reading in bed. So when you're laying there, so instead of holding the book like right over your face like this, where you ever you ever do that, or you're looking at your phone and then yeah. you just fucking drop <laughs> it right on your face every time, dude. Dude, done it a million yeah. times. So instead of that, you could lay there. And you don't have to crane your neck or anything. You could just stay nice and good posture and just keep the phone right here. And this, this is it. Dang, this is it. Hold on, can the camera see? Yeah. Oh, it. there it is. <laughs> it's high tech. <clears throat> yeah. High tech. Yeah, they're uh, they're something else, that's for sure. So I gifted them yeah. to Josh to yeah. gift to Devin. Yes. <laughs> because ironically, as Josh saw them, he's like, you know, yeah. Devin's been wanting a pair of those. And I said, you know what? Merry Christmas. Here you go. <laughs> Here you go. You could have them. Look at that. <clears throat> the world works in mysterious ways. So here we are. It's uh, it's that awkward time between Christmas and New Year. Yeah. Everybody's still kind of in the holiday spirit a little bit. We still got something to look forward to. Everybody really only works for fucking four days, like in between the two. That's where we're at. It feels, I think, like, especially this year, I don't know if it's because of the snowstorm and didn't really see a whole lot of family, but I really am feeling that, like, weird void this year in between the holidays. It's kind of awkward. It is. It hasn't been for me because I leave for one more <laughs> one more <laughs> trip tomorrow morning. Yeah. Real short little guy, quick little New Year's trip. Um, but uh, because of that, it has been very busy days the last few days just yeah. in like let's squeeze as much as we can <laughs> into these. And I'll tell you, dude, these last couple of days, I feel like it have been like the most productive days I've had in a long time because I haven't had a ton of lessons yeah. because I think that that time in between there's not a ton of people looking to do lessons within that time everybody's still kind of either out of town or yeah. in the holiday zone or they're busy on their end or whatever it may be mm-hmm. so I've just been able to just go in and just fucking just fucking get shit done yeah. grind you know what I mean yeah it's one of those things like like I think it, what was it I think it Tuesday right so I took off Monday the day after Christmas Tuesday I went in and I had one lesson in the morning I was supposed to have one lesson in the evening mm-hmm. my evening lesson canceled so I went in I had a 10 o'clock lesson got that done and then from like 11 to 7 was just I was just able to just flow yeah. you know go in a bunch of calls from over the holiday that I had to hit go around just see how things are go in notice hey little issue there let's make some adjustments here little issue there let's make some adjustments here just just get shit done it's mm-hmm. very productive yeah so it's been good it, is it reminding you of like when first really opened miracle again you were just having to do everything run around no it wasn't even that because it wasn't like this like stress of like needing to do all of these different <laughs> things it yeah. was it was like a it was like a able to look at things with like just like a nice clear mind yeah. and not feel super rushed or anything that's good just do stuff yeah. So so that's been it. That's good. I love that. So what's new on your end? Well, January, you know, is seems like it's going to be hitting the ground running for me. Yeah. So, yeah. 
got two new clients, probably 1st of January. Um, Bar 32, uh, if you've ever heard of them. I think I have. Yeah, they're on the top of the Hilton. They're in the flats. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the rooftop. It's not the flats. Or what, whatever it is, downtown. It's just downtown. Yeah, downtown. Above there. the convention center. Yeah, that's where it's at. Yeah, I went <laughs> there for my bachelor party, and it was horrible. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> not the place. The place oh, was okay. fine. The place was fine. But I just didn't want to go. Uh, I had the most boring bachelor party in the world, for anybody that cares to know. Oh, no. Literally. And it, and it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Right. Yeah. Everybody's like, what do you want to do for your bachelor party? What do you want to do? I said, there were a couple things. I wanted to go to Frank's Falafel House in the morning for breakfast, yeah. which we did. Okay. Went there, met up with the guys, and we just ate some really good breakfast. Yeah. Real low key. Okay. Slept day. It wasn't too early. It was like 10 o'clock, something like that, 1030 maybe. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to go golf at my favorite golf course. We went to Valley of the Eagles, and we played there. It was like a five-hour round of golf. Had a great time. Didn't drink at all on the golf course okay. because, like, I'm so new at it still, and I'm, like, not that good at it. So, like, drinking while trying to do something you're not that good at yeah. doesn't usually go very well. <laughs> Plus, it was, like, blazing hot, I think, if I remember. Okay. Did that. Then they're like, well, what do you want to do next? I was like, I want to go get a burger. Went to Buckeye Beer Engine in Lakewood. Solid burgers. Got a burger. And then all I wanted to do after that is I wanted to just go to, like, Masthead or a brewery or something and just have a couple beers and go home and go to bed. And then, like, half of the people there were like, no, we got to go out. We got to go out. So we wound up at, was it Bar 31? 32. 32. Went there. It's like, $25 a drink or something like that. I think I had two drinks, and then I left and went home. And then went to bed. <laughs> no, Damn. That no, was my bachelor Yeah, party. But it was like that forced. <laughs> like, you're like, uh, Everything was great up until that point. They're yeah. like, we gotta go there. All right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, they... they um, oh, they hit you up, though? Yeah, they hit me up. That's cool. And, oh, I don't think... Is don't that like an independently owned place, or is that owned by the Hilton? It's owned... Like, does it, the Hilton reach out to you about that, or like... Uh, yeah, it, it, she... She's like the overall marketing person for like that Hilton, because mm. they have uh, like a, like a little bakery. They have uh, another like restaurant downstairs or gotcha. something. But uh, so it's kind of like the same thing with Intro, I guess. You yeah, know, it's yeah, like yeah. all uh, blanketed over. It's like Hilton and then like Hilton Hospitality or something like that. So, mm-hmm. but she she's the one that hit me up and she she said she felt embarrassed because. When I threw out all those emails a long time ago, yeah, they were one of them that I sent. Really? Yeah, and she was like, <laughs> she's like, I feel so That's weird. So funny. She's like, I just saw your message now because you know I just saw your work and I thought you'd be perfect for this. She's like, but I can't believe I never responded to your email. <laughs> and I was like, uh, it's okay, but you know, here's my rates. Yeah, here's my <laughs> rates now. <laughs> yeah, funny. exactly. So that that was pretty cool. And then. Uh, and then this the just goes to show, guys, if you own a business, check your goddamn emails just and DMs. Yeah. Just check them, right? Yeah. And if you're not going to be able to check them, appoint somebody else to check them. And here's the other thing, too. Even if you think it might be spam, if you don't know who it's coming from, just glance over just it, look at it to yeah. make sure. Yep. I feel like there's been plenty of times. There's there's some people, and I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. No, you're fine. But there's some people that reach out, like clients, right, potential clients that reach out, that their emails, just the way they write them and the, the titles they put on them and stuff like that, if I didn't actually read it, I would have thought it was a spam email and just 
track. Just the way, like, <laughs> it was like almost like too professionally written. And yeah. like they were trying to sell me something or whatever, but actually they were just looking for dog training. Yeah. And if I didn't read them, wouldn't have been a client. Wouldn't have been a client. So check your emails, guys. <laughs> just check it. Check your DMs, too. A lot of people reaching out with the yeah. DMs. Yep. That was me. Um, but yeah, so, and, and yeah, when you say that, it's like, if they would have hit me up back then, I mean, I think my rates at the time were like 500 bucks or yeah. something. Like, you know, so, uh, yeah, things have upgraded a little bit. But other than that, Pompadour is uh, hopefully we're going to get some work uh, together here in January. And then uh, got a meeting to re-up with intro. And this is all like first week. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be January. busy. Starting out strong. Starting out strong. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> Slick. Yeah. Episode 101, too, by the way. Isn't that crazy? We passed the hundred mark. It's wild times. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, we're going to just kind of talk about some stuff, I guess. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> random episodes. So, so, a couple things, right? So, last week, we wound up having a pretty solid episode. We yeah. were talking about um, a lot of the general theme of it was misconceptions as far as expectations with board and train programs and what you get out of them and how much work is entailed in them and do they fix dogs, do they not fix dogs, et cetera, et cetera. It was just a, it was a strong episode where we used a lot of real-life examples of dogs that have recently finished board and train programs with us um, to explain to people what the expectations are and how these um, board and train programs, you know, how much work really could wind up uh, taking you once the dog goes home. Mm -hmm. And we used examples of dogs that did really well when they went home and dogs that didn't do so great when they went home. And, uh, you know, the different variables and factors as far as why that was the case, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it wound up being really cool. Uh, I actually had a, a, a good amount of people reach out to me and send me emails just talking about how they, they really enjoyed that episode um, I think it was, you know, for a lot of new trainers, one of the common themes I would say that I see people reach out about as far as people looking for help and even using like personal examples of when I was first getting started with this, when I was doing my first like year of owning Heights, I did so many virtual consults with people. I was reaching out to everybody that I knew that looked like they were running a successful dog training business. Mm -hmm. And I just reached out to them and just wanted to pick their brain. And one of the common things that I was doing was like, how do I, I, I was looking for solutions as far as how do I avoid a lot of the, the issues that I feel like I'm experiencing, mm -hmm. which is obviously a great state of mind to have. You want to make sure that you're looking to improve on anything that seems like it's a problem. But what I was really looking for was what is the magic solution so that when people do these training programs with us, whether it's board and train, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, um, how, how do I avoid any problems once a dog goes home? Which the more I dug into it, and the more I did these virtual consults and the more the years went on and I improved the work I was doing and stuff like that, you start realizing that there is no magic solution for that, right? These are yeah. a way of life, right? These issues that you may experience because that's a part of coaching the person to adjust their relationship with their dog, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I've seen a couple of those dogs we talked about last time since. Um, and the cool thing that I look for now is... Not that everything is perfect as soon as the dog goes home, but that as we're doing these follow-up classes with the owner, that I could see them grasping 
the issues that they're making that are leading to the problems they're having mm. and making the adjustments that they need to. Right. Yeah. Which um, with all of these dogs, we've noticed massive strides with one of them in particular. So I saw yesterday, this was the first one we talked about last time, I believe this dog river who was having the reactivity issues. I mentioned, I went to their house um, to do the walk around the neighborhood. And I saw that there was just like no direction being given. And, and that was the root of a lot of the reactivity issues. Mm-hmm. We saw her yesterday and we, first off, we started off, we went for a walk. Obviously the weather has been kind of shit lately. So like, she hasn't seen tons and tons of dogs, but she has been able to make the adjustments we discussed as far as fixing the positioning mm. and being more firm on the positioning. And the walk was literally perfect, right? Heck yeah. All corrections were given at exactly the right time. The motivation of those corrections was perfect. We saw one dog while we were out on the walk the first time. We kind of chased him down. This is the funny thing, too, is like <laughs> it's it, it always works out where it's like, when you're looking for dogs, you can never find them, right? But when you're not looking for them, like before you start training, it's like they're yeah. everywhere, Every right? Time. You can't avoid the dogs. <laughs> so so we were looking for dogs. We finally found one. We had to like literally basically chase them down. We like jaywalked across the street and then like ran like a block down basically so we can get ourselves in position and get ready for the pass by. She, same deal. Perfect. Lined up. Boom. Sit. Right. Got him into position. Dog came by. Didn't even look at the dog. It's yeah. perfect, right? So from there, we, because um, we weren't going to see that many dogs out on the walk, we decided to, to push it a little bit, go to the pet store with her, right? Same deal, hands off. I don't think I touched the dog the entire time. Walked in the pet store, gave her a quick little coaching before we walked in as far as, hey, you know, just because we're going into, because sometimes this idea of like going to a pet store, right, especially if you have a reactive dog, can be so daunting. It's like, yeah. It's like you get it in your head that it's so much different than anything else that you were doing out on the street, mm-hmm. when in actuality it's not. Just the psychology is different, right? You feel like because you're inside of somewhere mm-hmm. and somewhere where you're normally going to see other dogs, mm-hmm. it's like you're going head first into the fire, right? Yeah. And that the escape is like, <clears throat> you know, not as, uh, not as easy, yeah, right? So went into the pet store, same deal, right off the rip, nice good direction. I think he tried to pull over to sniff some of the treats one time, gave a nice good correction, set that tone. Saw probably three or four dogs in that pet store, same deal. Not a freaking peep. At one point, they had like a grooming station. They had this freaking Great Dane, this giant dog that came like barreling out of the grooming station, like pulling the owner down and stuff like that. And we were like six feet away from this dog, didn't even look, right? So, so yeah. this is, and it was, it was such a massive success because she was like, this is awesome. Like, I feel so much more in control, right? I feel like, you know, I just, I just understand what I'm looking for now, you know? And that's the mm-hmm. missing link, right? You got to be able to see it. You have to see how, when you're doing it wrong, how it's not working, identify the mistakes, and then see as you adjust those mistakes, how things start working, right? Yeah. And it's funny, the pet store thing, I think a lot of it, like when you look at why people are so scared to go to the pet store, because we'll see this all the time. People with like formerly reactive dogs that'll just like, it'll be a year post training and they're like, I just don't want to go to a pet store, right? Like I'm just, I'm nervous about going to a pet store forever. And the dog's behavior has been fine over the last year, but like that for whatever reason is so daunting to them. And I think a lot of it is like making a scene in like a public place or something like that. Mm -hmm. People feel so embarrassed of. But one of the common things I'm always reminding everybody of, whether it's you're at the park, right? And your dog's reacting, or you go to a pet store and your dog's reacting is all the other dogs are doing the same thing. Right. Yeah. We had to go yesterday. Two of our dogs needed baths. Kate took them out on like 
a walk. They got like muddy and disgusting and stuff like that. <laughs> and because we're fresh off the holiday, dude, the grooming tub at the shop was just accounted for. Yeah. It was full, dude. They <laughs> had like literally 12 or 15 grooms they needed to do yesterday, like something Jesus. absurd like that. Yeah. So I was like, we just can't do it there. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to happen, right? It's not going to be available until like yeah. 12 in the, in the middle of the night. You know? So we went to one of the self-serve grooming stations over at um, Crocker Park, like the Pet Supply Plus that they had over yeah. there. We walked in, and there was this old lady that had these two huskies, right? And she was taking them for baths. And, dude, it was a disaster. And nothing, listen, like, like I don't care, obviously. But this yeah. just, like, people get so embarrassed of their dog's behavior. This lady could care less, right? She had her two dogs there. The one is in the tub just screaming, screaming, dude. <laughs> Like, like all the husky noises and stuff like no. that. And then the other one, she was like nervous to even let me into the, because the grooming area, it's like a fenced off little area, probably like six by 20 or something like that. There's grooming tub, grooming tub, and like a small little center grooming tub. So like mm. multiple people can use it. And she had her two dogs there and she was nervous to let me in because the other one, I guess, is like really bad. <laughs> she was like, yeah, she gets, she's a rescue. She's really scared of new people and stuff like that. So she, she needed to go and like tether her off like into the corner and stuff oh like God. that. She's like nervous a dog's gonna like bite me or something, <laughs> you know? Jesus. And it's like yeah. nobody cared that this dog was screaming in the tub and this other one was probably like a dick towards people and stuff yeah. like that. They just went in, right? And the exposure to those situations, right, for people that are training their dogs, even if your dog acts out a little bit, will continue to improve over time. So you just can't get too embarrassed by that kind of stuff, right? Mm. And then past that, continuing to expose your dog is so important, man. So another client I worked with. We did a follow-up lesson. Um, same deal. Dog did a board and train. It was a dog that we pulled from Cuyahoga County Animal Shelter. Serious, like, fear reactivity issues. I don't want to call it aggression because, like, the dog wasn't outwardly trying to bite people, right? Okay. But the dog was very, 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 very nervous of new people. Would definitely, like, growl, kind of show her teeth, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And and luckily, the, the lady that was going to foster her is winding up keeping her. Um, just because they had a great relationship from the shelter and stuff like that. So it wound up being like a perfect situation. But anyways, right? We had all these things we needed to work on with this dog, right? And the dog did phenomenal with it. But same deal, right? As we're working through the program, she's been home for maybe two weeks now. We've done two follow-up sessions. This was our second one that we did. I think this was yesterday as well. Um, you know, she's like, yeah, everything's going great. The dog had like resource guarding issues before. Dog's no longer guarding stuff for the owner. She can get the dog to release toys and treats. No guarding, no problems, anything like that. Dog is socializing fine with other dogs. She takes her on walks. It does phenomenal on walks. Um, she holds bed stays perfectly while guests are coming in the house and stuff like that. But she still gets very apprehensive of new people that are coming in the house, right? Mm -hmm. And again, you'll see this on the vlog. Paige is going to post, I think, either today or tomorrow. I don't remember exactly what day she's going to post it. But we did film all this so you guys can see these lessons so what i want to kind of start to try to do a little bit here is through these podcast episodes that we're having that are non-guests mm -hmm. uh, i want to start breaking down some of the vlog content a little bit more so you have like conversational stuff that can go along with what you're seeing you yeah know? Fight so companion yeah yeah it's like the, it's the <laughs> vlog companion yeah so um yeah, so, so this dog was was doing fine with holding bed stays and stuff like that, but still very apprehensive of people coming in the house, right? She mm -hmm. would sit on the bed and just, rrr, rrr, like, anytime people would walk by her and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we had to look at a spectrum of progress this dog has made, right, and here's from when she started, and here's, like, her no longer doing anything improper anymore, she's went from, like, here to, like, here, 
You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. still a little bit more to go, but she's made such massive progress. And, yeah. and the owner was even like, you know, like, she's good. You know, she's done a lot better, right? I can manage her so much better with things like that, right? But, like, you know, there's still this little bit, right? Yeah. And this is an issue I see people fall into, right? Is they'll get there, right? And then they'll kind of plateau off a little bit, right? It's like they've made all the progress that they're almost comfortable making. You yeah. know what I mean? And that last little bit of progress you want to get comes from a couple of different things, right? It comes from you being very proactive about then pushing the envelope of exposure, right? What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that we're going to start chasing the challenging things a little bit more, right? We know she gets nervous around new people. We know she's established a couple of locations that she gets comfortable in. She comes to the shop now, and it's so funny as we were having this conversation at the beginning of the follow-up session. We're in the lobby, and at one point I counted out, there was like seven people in the lobby and like two dogs or something like that. There was so much going wow. on. It was ridiculous. And this dog is just Jay chilling on the bed over there. Perfectly fine. Couldn't even care less. And I told her, I was like, yeah, we've established this routine here. She feels safe. She feels comfortable here. She knows we're going to give good guidance and stuff like that. I was like, there hasn't been any problems with it, right? Um, additionally, right, she's done pretty well in some of these other field trip environments we've taken her on, like Home Depot or pet stores and things like that. She's done really good in those environments. But she hasn't quite generalized and established that her mom is going to be the one that gives the direction and guidance, similar to the case with River, the first dog that we talked about, in new places without me present, which is what's holding her back from getting to that place that she is at at the facility at home at new places when she goes to. And that's going to start with her mom starting to get her out and about into these other environments where Mm -hmm. she might be a little bit apprehensive still, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe at Lowe's when it's just the mom, she walks by people and stuff like that. And even though she's not outwardly acting out, she's like kind of tenses up a little bit. Ooh, there's a person there. Ooh, there's a person there. Ooh, there's a person there, right? And she's got work to do on is that. So Mm -hmm. by exposing her to that situation much more as opposed to it only happening once a week, right? Or once a month or once every two months or something like that, we start to neutralize a new location and help her feel safer in that location and feel more like mom is in control in that situation, right? And then the other big variable with things is just higher accountability for the improper choices, right? Mm. So, so what she, as I was talking to her, I could tell when she was talking about the issues in the house, what I was noticing her start to say, shut up. (laughs) What I was noticing her start to say was, yeah, people come over and, you know, she does fine if we're just sitting there on the couch. But if people start moving around and stuff, that's where she starts getting uncomfortable. Right. Or uh, she was saying that the dog is like really weary of her dad. And same deal. Like her dad, the second he starts moving around or talking with his hands and stuff like that, she starts getting apprehensive. Right. So what she was doing is she was adjusting to the dog, meaning she would notice the dog start getting uncomfortable and she would have the people adjust what they were doing to minimize the stress being put on the dog. Right. Mm -hmm. So she was kind of holding the dog to a higher standard by making her do the bed stay and she would still correct her if she made her do the bed stay mm-hmm. but additionally she was making people stop doing normal things yeah. that the dog needed to just get past mm-hmm. right so she kind of plateaued the dog's success a little bit by just capping that threshold and not allowing people to feel comfortable and like they could be themselves and the dog never getting used to those types of things. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously we want to hold people to a higher standard from the standpoint of when we're doing these bed stays, doing these downstays, stuff like that. People can't mess with her. They can't go up and interact and pet and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But 
we want people to act normal and do the normal things that ultimately we want the dog to adapt to. So we're mm-hmm. teaching the dog to adapt to these environments. And she, you know, it's funny at the end of the session, we're talking about that. I was like, that's really the big thing that's holding you back right now. She's like, you know, you're totally right. I'm adjusting too much to the dog. I'm catering too much to the dog. Right. Mm-hmm. So I recommended she needs to start getting her dog in those situations. And additionally, it doesn't happen that often. Right. So she only, she was yeah. saying, like, I only see my parents once a month. Right. Like, yeah. I only have people come over the house once a month. So, really, mm-hmm. at the most, two times per month is this situation even happening yeah you know what i mean so that makes it harder to do right Mm -hmm. so so i told her i was like two things need to happen one you could up the frequency in which you're exposing the dog to those types of things through going on more field trips going new places and supplementing all of that in right yeah and if you can't do that, that's okay. You just have to be aware of the fact that the process of your dog starting to get more acclimated and comfortable to new people is just going to take longer, which is fine. Like with Vinny, I used the example of, because Vinny was kind of like that. For the first probably six, seven months that I had him, I would make him hold bed stays anytime I had people come over the house mm. because he would get really uncomfortable around new people. Same deal. And it took a while before he got really neutralized because same deal. It was only happening once a month. Like I'm not, yeah. I don't have people coming over my house all the time. Yeah, right? sure. <clears throat> I was like, so so that's one thing that you could do, right? Thing number two is when the situations are actually happening, make them as natural as possible. Do mm. the things that you want to ultimately be able to do and hold the dog to a higher standard with it. Because if you're constantly limiting the things that you want to do, what's going to happen is you're stopping the dog or you're holding the dog back from making mistakes by keeping them under threshold, mm. which are the learning opportunities. Yeah. So let's say... The dog will hold the bed stay, but kind of grumble or growl on the bed stay if people are just sitting there talking and not moving around too much. But if they really get up and they're moving around and somebody's going to the fridge to get something or walking past her bed, then maybe she makes a mistake and either gets off of the bed or, or you know, barks and steps off or something like that. And in that moment is where we could really capitalize on that and give a nice firm correction for it and get the dog to settle back in, which will cause them to then be better with all the stuff that's under that threshold, right? Mm -hmm. So all of the things leading up to that point of just the chilling and hanging out and stuff like that, once we've capped it off here, right, and and the dog made the mistake and we address that mistake, it makes everything before that easier for the dog then to be successful with because they learned, Mm. right they learned by us pushing that threshold and then what we do is we push it a little bit more we push a little bit more and we push it a little bit more and that's ultimately how we get that dog fully past those types of issues yeah right Mm -hmm. so that's a lot of it so that was another kind of interesting one that we ran into and how we're kind of starting to troubleshoot that so um yeah i mean i think that's that's a lot of this kind of stuff yeah i think you know uh you get so used to kind of molding your life around the dog yeah that when it's time to kind of break that and like hey you have to mold to our life together Mm -hmm. you know it's it's hard to those lines kind of get blurred when you first get your dog back i'm sure so it's just breaking down those subconscious you're totally right on that right like we have all of these different like management techniques we used to put into place Mm -hmm. with our dog to try to keep them successful with stuff and yeah like they become subconscious to us that we just do them. Yeah. And it's very difficult to change that way that we look at the dog and change the way we look at how we handle the dog. When we have guests come over, we take them out into public, whether it's go to a pet store, go to home Depot, have a guest come over the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. It can become very challenging for people. I think. Yeah. It's rewiring your brain too, you know? Yeah. Big time. So that's, uh, some of the stuff. Um, yeah. 
What else we got here? What else did I write down? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so this is another kind of segue. That same dog that I was just talking about, right? The, the, at the end of the lesson, right? Pe- people love doing this to me. They throw me curveballs, right? Mm-hmm. They take that, they take that, whoosh, and they throw that curveball. And I'm yeah. not ready for it. And people love throwing the curveballs right at the end of the lesson when we don't have a lot of time to talk oh, about it. Of course. It, right? <laughs> so we got like four minutes left in the lesson, right? I got another one coming in very shortly after. And she's like, oh, I, oh yeah, I, I wanted to ask you this. She's like, she's like, yeah, I uh, I need to introduce her to my my cousin's dog or something like that. Like, how do I do it? I was like, well, like, is the dog just coming over for like a play date or like what's the deal? You know what I mean? Like, are the is your cousin going to be there also? Has she met the cousin? Like, there's a lot of variables for me to be able to answer that question effectively. Yeah, she's like, well, no, she hasn't met the cousins before. I was like, all right, well, she needs to get comfortable with them before we can really introduce to the dog mm-hmm. because. We can't really separate and be like, oh, we're socializing our dog now with both these new people as well as this new dog. Like mm-hmm. we, the way we look at socialization, we typically always will do one or the other, right? So, yep. so I want to either socialize my dog with a new dog around neutral things or with a new person around neutral things, but not both at the same time. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I understand that. She's like, I was thinking maybe they could just like drop the dog off and then I could socialize them. I was like, well, what's the point of that then? She's like, well, <laughs> she's like, well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be watching the dog for a little bit next month. I was like, all right, well, how long's a little bit? She's like, well, maybe like four to six weeks. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> I was like, four to six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a long time. It's a long time. I was like, what do you mean you're gonna be watching the dog for four to six weeks? She's like, yeah, they're like going somewhere, doing something, and like, like I got I gotta watch the dog for. A while. I was like, okay, well, I was like, this is a little different than. This is a little different than like, oh, I'm just like having a housemate stay for the weekend or something like that. I was like, if you're going to be having a dog stay for a prolonged period of time like that, you are essentially you. There is no option other than to go in it as if you own that dog now. Right. This Mm -hmm. is now your dog. Right. Mm -hmm. Because six weeks is way too long to just like wing things and like kind of keep the dog separate a majority of the time and just do little socials with them and stuff like that like I normally would recommend if you had like a dog staying with you for a weekend or even a week or something like that. Yeah. I was like this is your dog now. Meaning, right? Like and and I don't know anything about the temperament of this dog. I was like if this dog doesn't have any training and you know is kind of poorly behaved and jumps and counter surfs and gets into stuff and everything like that and you let the dog for 4 to 6 weeks just run the roost in your house, that's how you build up and embolden a dog where you create massive problems amongst multi-dog households. Mm-hmm. Right? Like massive massive of massive problems you could run into through doing that because at some point four to six weeks is enough time where one the dog is going to get very confident in doing whatever the hell it wants to do and two your dog is going to see for a prolonged period of time that you are not in control of the environment around them and they're going to start assuming those responsibilities of addressing those problems and that's why we say all the time most dog fights that we'll see typically are stemmed from one dog seeing another dog being poorly behaved and not seeing us be the ones that are stepping in and handling those situations. So they feel like they need to go in and discipline the other dog Mm -hmm. because you're not doing it. Right. And even with the most social dogs in the world, right. You could start to see that that social dog will start to act in that way. If put in that situation too much. Right. So how do you make that successful? We started breaking down first and foremost, 
you know, let's say you got a new dog. Let's say you have a dog and you got a brand new dog. Well, first and foremost, the last thing that I would do is right off the rip for the first week, have the dogs together 24-7 all the time, right? We got to make mm. sure the dog is crate trained. We got to make sure that the dog is out with the other dog only in small bursts when food toys affection are not happening. And we can allow the dogs to just develop a small relationship with each other. And then while we're doing that, we would individually start setting rules and boundaries with the new dog, right? So I said, I was like, even though this dog is not your dog, you have to have a way to be able to communicate and discipline this dog for improper behavior. Mm. So if it is jumping all over the place and barking out the window all the time and trying to get into your things, you have a way to be able to actually step in and stop those problematic behaviors, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that she needs to go out and buy an e-collar and do a training program or anything, but just some sort of baseline like have a couple squirt bottles laying around the house, right? It's like the age-old easiest thing you could do if you have a brand new dog is get a freaking squirt bottle. Yeah. And if the dog is doing something you don't want, no, right? Give them a little spray with it. Now, <laughs> is that going to work with every dog perfectly? No, no, but at least it will start to get you some headway for being able to give some discipline to the dog, right? Mm. You have a pet corrector laying around, a little can of compressed air, give you the ability to step in and start interrupting things here and there. Um, you can... <clears throat> Obviously, make sure the dog wears a leash for a large majority of the time in the house so that you're not finding yourself wasting your breath constantly begging the dog to do things and not in a position to enforce it, right? Mm -hmm. You could set boundaries. If you don't want the dog going upstairs, dog starts going upstairs, you don't even need to say anything. You just grab that leash, pop, pop, get them back down, redirect them off of it, right? Mm -hmm. They start jumping on something. You could physically get them off of it, right? You could, if you tell the dog to come, you need to get the dog to go outside and the dog doesn't want to, you can grab that leash and make them come, right? There's so much baseline communication and stuff that needs to go into play, but you got to treat it like it's like it's your own dog. And that was yeah. just so funny to me. She was, she was like, yeah, it's going to be staying for, for four to six weeks. Four minutes left in the lesson. Yeah, I was like, thanks. we'll talk about this next time. <laughs> I was like, we'll talk about this a little bit yeah. more next time. <laughs> Always, yeah. So that was some juicy stuff that happened also. But yeah, I mean, it's just, just a lot of that kind of stuff. That's what this week has really consisted of. It's yeah. just a lot of just, just troubleshooting lessons, still doing a lot of follow-ups, getting this uh, last round of board and trains. I think they got about a week and a half left. Getting them all ready to go home, kind of helping troubleshoot through some of those types of things. We got some new dogs that came in Yeah, two days ago. I think this was, I think this would have been Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Two dogs that came in getting in fights with each other in the house, and these dogs are monsters. <laughs> They're so big. Dude, there's this one. He's like an American bulldog or something. His head, dude, his head is so big. I think I might have a picture of it. Is it like Tuca? Um, kind of. Hold on. I, I don't even know if this video really does it justice, but just wait. I think I should, you'll, you'll see yeah, me pet him in a second. Yeah, that's a massive. Dude, he's so big. Bully breed head right there. He's so big. <laughs> so whatever. So those two dogs are getting into it with each other. And, um, you know, they've done some training elsewhere. So it's not going to be that hard teaching a lot of the initial skills and stuff. And the positive is, like, you know, when we get into fighting dogs, the hardest ones are the ones that are just outwardly grudgy and aggressive towards each other. Right? Mm -hmm. They're the ones that just on site just want to get at each other. Right? These are not those dogs, right? Mm. These, as we were breaking it down, very, very, very predictable fights, right? They've all yeah. been over food or toys. Uh. They've all been in situations where, like, there's just been improper supervision of them and stuff like that. Like, I think one happened when they had, like, a 
a cousin or an aunt or something that was watching the dogs. One of them happened when, like, the fiancé or the husband was, like, he decided... <sighs> He decided that he was just going to, like, and again, I I think I remember this correctly when I was talking to her. He decided he was going to, like, feed them together after, like, not doing it for a while, and Mm. it turned into a fight. It's just, like, just a lot of poor management of things. You know what I mean? Uh, But, again, the dogs are not outwardly aggressive towards each other. They have really good training. It seems like the owners are just not really necessarily using that training Mm -hmm. very much, and... Um, you know, they were talking about like that American Bulldog's the younger of the two, and then the other one that's like the aggressor of things, like a German Shepherd that they have. It sounds like when that American Bulldog was a puppy, this German Shepherd just like bullied the absolute fuck out of this dog. <laughs> yeah, you know, and just just created a lot of problems. I think where like now the bullying is just escalating, escalating, escalating until it turned into like their last one was like a pretty serious fight that they got into with each other, and. All of this comes down to being able to really effectively communicate with your dogs and manage your dogs and adjust your relationship you have with your dogs, right? I know, I I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is like, it's like a family situation, parents, kids, dogs involved, all this kind of stuff. And sometimes we just get so loosey-goosey with stuff, Mm. you know? Sometimes it's just so... The dogs do whatever, and, and the kids just love playing with the dogs, and the dogs are very good with the children, it sounds like. So it's like there's so much fun, energy, yeah. this and that. You know what I mean? And there's, there's just no there's just no rules, you know? Dogs mm-hmm. do whatever the hell they want to do. There's no discipline for anything. Mm-hmm. There's no control over resources or anything. And we got power breeds, man. We got German Shepherd, American Bulldog, big, yeah. strong dogs that need firm direction, you yeah. know? And... um that's going to be the root of a lot of their problems. That'll be an interesting one to follow here because that's going to be a case in point example of it kind of like goes into like this whole conversation we're talking about from the last podcast episode and everything where we were talking about like rehabilitation, like fixing problems mm-hmm. and like realistic expectations and stuff like that. I can anticipate a little bit of issue with when these dogs go home, just from some of the conversations I've had. Like I remember one of the first phone calls I had with, uh, I think it was the husband, you know, it was very much of the mindset of he's like, like one of the first questions he asked was like, so are these dogs just going to come home and not fight anymore? I was just like, not really. No. <laughs> like, I was like, it's not, it's not really how it works. Yeah, that's man. Not how that goes. You know? Not really how it works. So we kind of had that conversation a little bit and, and the, the wife is very sweet. She's very nice. Uh, but she was asking some questions. She had like a friend of hers forward her, a, uh, it was it was actually a, a Larry Crone video where he he did some like like live stream talking about fighting dogs and stuff like that. And, and again, we've talked before about like issues with some of the things he says, all of the things he was saying, and I thought were were very good. You know, like a lot a lot of talking about like the relationship dynamics and things like that. But like one of the things he said in it, like it was like a blanket statement of. He, he just said, like, verbatim, like, I've never seen e-collars fix fighting dogs or something like that. And she sent it to me, and she's like, hey, somebody sent this to me. I just wanted to get your opinion on it because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just so nervous. You know, I really want this to work. And, and again, she's very sweet. Really, really, you could tell she sounds very committed to the process. And everything I've told her so far, she's been very understanding of, right? Yeah. So I had to explain. I was like... <sighs> I was like, you know, this is my problem with these blanket statements that he's made, right? Like, so in her mind, that immediately, how she interpreted what he said in that video was e-collars and using corrective devices and stuff like that isn't doesn't work, 
right? It mm. makes your problem worse, et cetera, et cetera. Where oh. I know what he was actually trying to say, right? And, and I'm not trying to like misrepresent somebody here or anything mm. like that. But what he was actually trying to say, per my analysis of it, was an e-collar alone is not the solution to this, right? Yeah. Just slapping an e-collar on and correcting the dogs and they try to fight each other and everything is not going to fix these problems, which I 1 million percent agree with. Yeah. Totally agree with. Of course. Right? The missing link with it, though, is that an e-collar is the part of the process of fixing it because an e because the problem is the overall relationship that we have with the dogs, right? The overall ability to communicate effectively with the dogs, adjusting the relationship that we have with the dogs and getting them realizing, hey, just in general, we're going to be giving you better direction. We're going to be communicating more effectively with you. We're going to be advocating more effectively amongst the multi-dog household mm -hmm. It. An e-collar is a part of the way that we're able to do that, mm -hmm. right? So, so though I understand what he was saying when he said, I've never seen e-collars fix fighting dogs, mm -hmm. I actually very much disagree with it because an e-collar mixed with all of the other things that he's talking about is a lot of the reason why we're able to fix these problems with these dogs. Oh, yeah. And again, this is coming from somebody that uses e-collars with all the dogs that he trains as well, Yeah. right? So it was just kind of like a little annoying blanket statement thrown out there yeah. from somebody with a really large following that's confusing the fuck. This has been my problem all along, mm -hmm. right? Is when you start getting too heavy into the like, we don't use high corrections and we don't do this and we don't do that. And we don't use e-collars with fighting dogs or, or e-collars don't fix fighting dogs and stuff like that. Is you give people the wrong message from the standpoint of they're like, well, that means I shouldn't use an e-collar with dogs that are fighting. That means yeah. that using an e-collar with dogs that are fighting is going to make things worse, mm -hmm. which is not the case. Yeah. So. Focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. Focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, you know, not not that this uh, this goes to them or anything, but I think in general, you know, a few podcasts ago, you know, we talked about like when, you know, what fits in your lifestyle like does a yeah. dog fit in your lifestyle and stuff and i think just for like families in general you know they mm. they you know they, like they have a brand new baby right or or yeah. toddlers whatever and we're generalizing now we're yeah not talking yeah about yeah we're not talking about them at all i'm just saying yeah. in general like and then they get a dog and then if it's not the most perfect dog in the world well even if it was you, it's still not just the dog and it gets to do whatever it wants like it's basically like having another kid on top of yeah. your other children. And yeah. it's a lot to like, it's a lot to juggle. I get it. Mm -hmm. Like, but I think people really have the misconception like, Oh, it's like a dog. It'll be fine. Like we don't have to do anything with that. And it, it, we'll have a family dog. It'll be nice, but there's still so much extra work you're putting on top of whatever is happening in your life. Mm -hmm. You know? And I think a lot of people get a dog and they're just not ready Especially if it has some sort of issue, you know? Yeah. No, for sure. And, and again, this is case in point example of just just looking into the breeds you're getting and seeing if they're actually breeds you want, man. Yeah. Like, we're just not... Yeah. We're not... God, this is, this is going to be my blanket statement <laughs> I make, right? Yeah. We're not seeing these cases of massive dog fights breaking out and, like, dogs getting injured and stuff like that with your fucking labs <laughs> yeah with your families that have two golden doodles you know yeah. what i mean it's just yeah. we're just not seeing it 
Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying it doesn't happen because it does. We've had exceptions before to all of those oh, rules. Yeah. But generally speaking, when we have people reach out to us saying dogs are fighting in the home, right? Dogs are injuring each other in the house. It's your power breeds, man. Mm-hmm. It's your pitties. It's your German shepherds, right? Yeah. It's your Rottweilers. It's your bully mixes. It's, yep. the, it's those types of dogs, man. And you start looking at that, and, and we, were, we were half joking, man. We were looking at these two dogs yesterday. We're taking them out. We're doing some training with them and stuff. I was like, damn. I was like, I was like, how'd you like to break up that fight? No. <laughs> I was looking at this dog's head with yeah. this goddamn big. I was like, <laughs> I don't think I would want to break up that fight. No, right? no, no, no. For sure. Um, so, I, you know, I have high hopes for this, this family in particular as far as these dogs yeah. don't seem that bad. You know, yeah. they live together for quite a while without any big problems. Yeah. And they've only had one, like, serious fight, mm-hmm. you know. The other ones have all been, like, little squabbles and stuff like for that. Sure. But it is going to take a massive adjustment on the owner's ends, you know, as far as if they're going to be capable of doing it. Yeah. Well, and I was going to ask, too, like, um, just for, like, the, the new trainers, you know, like, when you have a situation – Maybe like this or, or even worse, right? You have sure. the two dogs, and they, they do have that kind of expectation, you know, because we've been talking about the board trains. Like, oh, is it the 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 cure-all, you know, yeah. thing? Like, how do you go about the conversation when it's something even more serious, like like your two dogs are fighting in-house, and like, yeah. like hey, like, you're going to have to manage this forever, yeah. you know? Like, how mm-hmm. how does that conversation go for you? <sighs> That's a good question. <laughs> uh, just, just so, totally like really highlighting the difficult parts of things, mm. right? While, all, but here's the problem. This is where I think a lot of people make the mistake. They highlight the difficult parts in a way that gives no hope, right? Yeah. So, so we'll see people that say, "No, this is just going to be a management case forever. This is never going to get that good, right?" <laughs> yeah. And, and blah, blah blah blah. Yeah. And it kind of ends there. Yeah. Right. Where I always say. This could be very, very challenging, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, fighting dogs, right? Takes so much work because the root of the dogs fighting with each other is the relationship they have with the owners, not so much the relationship they have with each other, right? That's really where the problem stems from. But if you could step up and if you could be who you need to be for the dog, there is always a possibility of success with it, right? And I speak from personal truths, right? I've, I've said a million times on this podcast, like my two dogs, Deli and Vera, got in two gnarly dog fights with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, like fuck each other up to the point where it's like, God, is one of these dogs going to fucking die? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. fucked each other up. And they live together. They're downstairs right now together. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're fine. Yeah. Right? Now, do we always in the back of our mind just stay aware of things? Yes. Yeah. But is it debilitating? No. no. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm like losing sleep over it. Like they sleep in the bedroom together every night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and, and I fall asleep just fine knowing that they're together in the same room with each other, sleeping yeah. on dog beds next to each other. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like it's it's not it's not impossible. You know what I mean? I think that's the important thing to look at is like it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take immense amounts of work for me to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It takes immense amounts of discipline. Th- this is the bigger thing, right? Everybody always looks at, and I see even trainers say this when it comes to, let's say, fighting dogs or serious behavioral cases and stuff like that. It's like, it's just, it's so much work to, to keep the dog safe, right? Or keep the dogs safe with each other. I disagree with that, right? It doesn't take immense amounts of work. It takes immense amounts of discipline 
to just know the things you can't do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That really is the variable with it. It's not you need to do all of these things. It's just these are some of the things you cannot do. Yeah. Right? And and that's the biggest thing is like, you know, the, these dogs, for example, we're going to be sending them home with a list when they go home. Boom, 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 boom. These are all the things you're not allowed to do this first week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And that's the shit that's hard for people sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whether it's because you subconsciously just do those things. They're so ingrained into your routine. Or this one's the real kicker sometimes. Or you're just so selfish and you do those things for you mm -hmm. and you don't care that they hurt your dog. Yeah. That's the hard pill to swallow <laughs> right is. there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's most of this shit, man. Mm -hmm. Most of the shit we do with our dogs. Unleash greetings, case in point. Mm -hmm. Right? Tell people all the time, don't do them. Right? People like to do them still. Mm -hmm. Right? Your dog's not getting anything out of it. You're getting something out of it. Even though you yeah. know it's detrimental to your dog's progress mm -hmm. with, with results you're looking to get, you continue to do them because it makes you feel good that your dog is making a friend on the leash. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Giving your dog table scraps, right? Yeah. Bad for your dog. It's not healthy for your dog. can create massive issues amongst multi-dog households and stuff like that. But you feel good that, oh, I'm giving them this snack. Yeah. Right? There's just so many, so many little things like that that you just like. They're just there's just some cases that you just can't do those things, and yet people continue to do them because they're too selfish. Feeding your dog too, dude. There was this dog that came in. I'm, I'm sure we talked about this a couple weeks ago. There was this dog that came in somewhat recently, right? That was like, it was a lab, and it was like 160 pounds, dude. This dog <laughs> was so fat. It was ungodly. <laughs> I'm literally probably one of the fast dogs I've seen in the last 16 months, right? Okay. And got this dog down. I think the dog dropped like 20 pounds while it was with us or something like that. It was just shedding it off once we put it on like an appropriate diet yeah. and like feeding schedule. You know what I mean? Uh, and exercise routine and stuff like that. And, um, you know, the owner was like, I'm going <laughs> to, I think she said something along the lines of like, like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to maintain this when the dog goes home. Mm. What do you mean yeah. you're going to try? <laughs> you're going to try to just not give it extra scoops of food? Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> the uh. dog's not prepping. It's, the dog's not meal prepping every week and, like, determining how much it eats. You are determining it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big one, right? Because we look at that. Again, we look at food equals happiness. Food equals happiness, right? Mm -hmm. But we know how much it hurts our dogs. A dog that overweight, for and the dog was really young, too. It's like... That dog is going to have so many huge health problems later because of that. Because we can't control how much we're feeding our dog. Come on, guys. Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's absurd. It's absurd. And these are the things that hold people back from getting where they need to get with their dog. Something as yeah. stupid as that, right? If you can't have the discipline to feed your dog an appropriate amount of food every single day, mm -hmm. you're definitely not going to have the discipline to actually correct your dog for things that you should be correcting them for yeah. and set in place routines you need to be setting and stuff like that, right? And that's yeah. the hardest part. That is the variable of success with these types of things. It really is. And those are the conversations you have to have with people. And, and to, to answer your question of, like, how do we get people to know this stuff, we tell them all of these things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you figure out a way to say it firmly but gently mm -hmm. in a way that the owner is going to retain it where we're not making fun of you, we're not blaming you. I mean, we're kind of blaming you, but, like... <laughs> It's not like, fuck you, you're doing everything wrong. Yeah. You just got to figure out how that person is going to respond to that information you need to give them. Check. Check.
<laughs> so yeah, I mean that's it's a lot of this stuff. Yeah. That's what's new. Heck yeah, man. What do you think? It's great. I think uh what's um just really quick, I guess. What the end of the year is here. <laughs> yeah. What do you think was the the biggest uh new thing that happened this year for for Miracle? <laughs> See, okay, so this is this is a good question. This is a hard question sometimes not being prepared only because of the fact that <laughs> it, no, I'll tell you the reason. Sometimes the years blur together a little bit and oh, I yeah. forget what happened in what years. Oh, I feel that. You know what I mean? Mhm. <laughs> you answer the question first. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I made a lot of good connections this year. Um, spread spread my wings outside of people I just knew, right? I wasn't just doing stuff for friends. Not you know the friends or clients, but I went out and got new new clients on my own or made uh, relationships through just cold calling or emails or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that was the biggest learning uh, experience for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think working with intro building and working with like an actual giant development group was so eye-opening for me. And I think that was one of the best things that happened to me this year, for sure. Okay, so I think mine, this is more of a general one as opposed to like a specific thing, is the ability to turn negatives into positives, right? I think this year we faced, you know, every year we face different levels of adversity. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like different issues or problems or this or that, right? Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, we've experienced a decent amount of adversity this year in all different forms, all different forms, man, all sorts of different things. And... I've never been the type of person that lets adversity, like, crumble me. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I always stand pretty tall in the face of adversity, and I always am the first person there with, like, hey, we got to figure out a solution for this, whatever. But, like, there's been times in the past that I've really kind of let it get me down a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. I think I did a very good job this year of any adversity we faced immediately, one, finding solutions for it, but two, trying to be a little bit more of a figure of, 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 I don't know, I guess a role model or whatever for everybody to kind of see as mm-hmm. we were facing those different adversities. Yeah. As far as how to stay a little bit more confident through those types of things. Mm-hmm. And additionally, I think another big, 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 big one is anytime we faced any sort of criticism, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. from clients or whether it's from people on social media or any of those types of things, I have definitely tried to be conscious of finding any sort of truth within that criticism I can, no matter how dumb I felt like it was. Yeah. Right? 
if somebody is saying something, and, and there's times where like some of it, especially with the social media stuff, is kind of ridiculous, where it's like <laughs> you're kind yeah. of just being crazy right now. Mm-hmm. But as an overarching theme, I tried to find some sort of like what out of this criticism can I take as a learning opportunity, and yeah. especially with any sort of like client issues. Like we, again, we don't experience it very often, but we definitely run into our, our fair share of like client issues here and there. Client mm-hmm. gets upset over something or this or that. And I've really tried to figure out any sort of like, what if is there is one thing I could do to avoid that client criticism again in the future? What is it? How do I implement it? And and just trying to take those all as learning opportunities. So I would say the 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 turning negatives into positives from that standpoint, I think I did a pretty good job of this year. Yeah. Um, from that standpoint. Heck yeah. So good answer. I think that's an important thing for people to look at. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to, if you want to continue to grow, you have to look at your weaknesses. You can't get hung up in the successes of things. For sure. You know, 100%. and if you could highlight even just two weaknesses, what are two things that are weaknesses of mine that may not be having huge issues right now, but create some sort of issue and start working on those things? Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> so that's it yeah that was good that was a good way to end it off top it off i would agree well everybody happy new year mm-hmm. catch you guys in 2023 yeah